Hey, Strange New Worlds listeners, it's Mike Wong. Today, a special message about, well, what we're all going through right now. The coronavirus pandemic is like nothing we've ever had to deal with. Every aspect of life has been affected, including academic research. Labs across the world have shut down. People are working from home as best they can. Theorists like me, we're lucky. We can do most of our work remotely, but my thoughts go out to everybody who cannot. My former co-host, Elise Cutts. Many of you will remember that she was on her Fulbright Fellowship this year, doing amazing microbiology experiments in Denmark. Well, the coronavirus put an end to that. On little notice, she had to stop her experiments, pack up all her belongings, and fly back to the States. She's now undergoing the mandatory 14 days of quarantine after travel. But at least she's safe, healthy, and with her mom in Arizona. That's just one small example of how this global event has thrown people's plans into disarray. Schools have closed. Students sent home to attend the remainder of their classes over Zoom. Proms and graduations have been canceled months ahead of time. And anyone who works hourly is suddenly out of a job. Doctors and nurses, along with grocery store clerks, pharmacists, mailmen, and public transport conductors, they're all suddenly revealed to be the heroes that they've always been. Our men and women on the front line, risking their lives for us so that we can continue to put food on the table and have the medicine that we need. The source of all of this turmoil is a virus that measures less than a millionth of a meter in size. A virus is a biological entity that contains replicative material, but no metabolic functions. In other words, it cannot grow or reproduce on its own. It's a genetic parasite that requires a host cell to make more copies of itself. Once inside of a person, the coronavirus invades one of our cells in our airways, using its RNA, its genetic code, to instruct the machinery of our cells to create new copies of itself, which then spread to other cells in our airway. Through coughing and sneezing, Virus-laden particles from an infected individual can go on and infect others. This is why it is so critical to wash your hands after going out, touching common surfaces, sneezing, or coughing. The good news is ordinary soap is particularly effective against the virus because it disintegrates the virus's membrane, essentially turning it into a functionless jumble of RNA proteins and lipids. Now, antibacterial agents do not necessarily also destroy viruses. That's why the CDC insists that frequent washing of your hands for 20 seconds with ordinary soap is your best defense against the coronavirus. 
Now, everybody has their own favorite trick for counting to 20 seconds. But mine, of course, is repeating the opening monologue from Star Trek, or Star Trek The Next Generation. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. If you do contract the coronavirus, your symptoms will include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. But many people will be asymptomatic or only have mild symptoms. The problem is, while in this state, they are still contagious, spreading the virus to others. This is what makes the coronavirus so dangerous. By now, most of you will have heard of social distancing, a practice by which we avoid contact with other people, avoid large social gatherings, restaurants, movie theaters, sports matches, and the like. It's recommended that we stay home unless we need to go to the grocery store, or to the pharmacy, or to go out for a solitary walk or run. And when we're out, we need to stay a minimum of six feet away from other people. Now, I know it sounds silly, but this is absolutely critical to quashing the spread of the virus. Now, why does it sound so silly? Because, thankfully, most people are still healthy right now. Not many of us know of someone who's infected. It seems like a far-off thing when you can't put a face to your fears. It's like when the Borg were just anonymous automatons. Until, of course, they assimilated Jean-Luc Picard, and we all went, oh my god, Locutus, holy shit, the world is ending. But you see, if we wait for that day to come, the day that your siblings or your teacher or that friend that you made at the Star Trek convention gets the coronavirus, if we wait for that day before we act, it's too late. You see, the spread of the virus follows an exponential curve. And in our ordinary human lives, we rarely encounter exponential growth. So, we all have to think like scientists. As scientists, we have to open our minds to phenomena outside our everyday intuition. These include the warping of space-time during cosmic collisions, unimaginable pressures in the cores of planets that create new phases of matter, and the spooky probabilistic nature of the quantum realm. These all defy expectations, but they're real. And the exponential curve is the same deal. So let's explore it. Now this is about to get a little mathy, but stick with me. It's important. And after all, you're listening to a science and Star Trek podcast, so you signed up for this. Okay, here we go. Let's say we have a population of people where there are N number infected people. On average, each infected person will infect a handful of other people. They could be family members, coworkers, other people at a concert, it doesn't matter. 
Let's call that number R, the infection rate. After a certain time T, measured in units of the time that a person remains infectious, the total number of viral cases has increased from that initial n to n times r to the power t. Now, a function that looks like r to the power t grows very slowly at first, because a number raised to a very small t is still a very small number. But once t gets big, that's when things shoot off. Think about this series. 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, 512, 1024, 2048, 4096, 8192, 16384, 32768, 65536, and one more for good measure, 131,072. That's an exponential growth. And right now, where you live, you might be in the 248 stage. Just a few cases, nothing to worry about. But in just 17 time steps, we went from one infected person to 131,072 infected people. That's the population of a city. And that kind of exponential growth is for an R of 2, a doubling effect, in essence. Now, according to studies of how the coronavirus spread through Wuhan, it has an R of somewhere between 1.4 and 3.9. So our example, where R equals 2, is not at all an unreasonable illustration. So the point of social distancing is to reduce R. The less people interact on average, the fewer transmissions there will be on average. If we can get R down to 1.4, after 17 time steps, there are only 304 infected cases. Compare that to over 100,000 infections when R was 2. It's a huge effect. A small tweak to R could mean the difference between having enough medicine for everyone who's sick and doctors having to make painful choices about who to treat and who not to with the limited resources available. Now, what if R is 3.9? This is where things get scary. In 17 time steps of our simplistic model, with an R of 3.9, you exceed the entire population of the world. That's why you occasionally hear people talking about scenarios where, one way or another, we all get exposed to the virus. But here's the thing. That is not an inevitable outcome. We can choose to slow the spread of the coronavirus. I know it's easy to feel powerless when you're stuck at home. You want to go outside. You want to act. But choosing to remain inside is an action. It's making a difference. It's saving lives. Don't think of social distancing as a void of social activity. Think of it as choosing to defeat this virus by helping squeeze that infection rate R as low as possible. 
because the exponential function is so sensitive to R, we each have power and we each have responsibility. During a pandemic, scientific studies are often the bearers of bad news. But being a scientist, I'm actually filled with hope. My hope stems from the fact that we live in an age where we can comprehend what's going on from a scientific perspective. We have an understanding of these microscopic machines called viruses, what they are, how they work, and how we can take simple measures like washing our hands to protect ourselves. We also have an understanding of exponential growth. We have a mathematical toolkit with which we can model the spread of an infectious disease and reveal how the practice of social distancing is our most effective weapon against it. And finally, we live in an age where technology has connected us like never before, such that decrees from state officials and health experts can instruct us to stay home and stay safe. This gives me hope. Because we can understand, we can act. Because we can act, we can save lives. We as a civilization are facing a strange new challenge. Whether we conquer it is up to us. All of us. We're in this together. This virus doesn't discriminate based on nationality, political affiliation, religion, creed, or anything else that we've decided to classify ourselves as. To save ourselves, we must save each other. So let's embrace what Star Trek has to teach us about venturing into the unknown. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Thanks to technology, there has never been a more fortunate time to be quarantined. Texting, messaging, video chatting, conference calling, we may be physically isolated, but we can still be socially active. Not only can we save people's lives by staying away from them, we can brighten their days from afar too. Imagine the way viewers of Star Trek in the 60s felt when James T. Kirk hailed the captain of another starship or the leader of a planetary outpost and had a live face-to-face -face conversation with them on the main viewer. Wow, that was like unthinkable. Well, we literally live in that future today. It is a remarkable time. So let's make use of it. When you're at home, you can still share your love with others. Write an encouraging note, take a beautiful picture, sing a song, play an instrument, read a Shakespearean sonnet. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove, oh no. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks... And post it to the internet for the world to enjoy. Or, if you're just in the mood for sitting on your couch and watching something, host a Star Trek watch party like my friends and I did last weekend. 
We all hopped on Zoom, opened Netflix, selected the Voyager episode Macrocosm, you know, the one where Janeway runs around the ship hunting giant viruses, and 3, 2, 1, play. Although I've developed an effective vaccine, I can't administer it. Every time I try to get to the crew, I'm attacked. Perhaps with your help. How many of the larger macroviruses are there? I have no way of knowing. Dozens, perhaps hundreds. They're replicating at an exponential rate. By this time tomorrow, there could be thousands. Speak of the devil. After the episode, I asked my friends for suggestions for good Star Trek episodes to be quarantined with. Here's what they had to say. Do two-parters count as one episode? Yes. They should. Yes, a two-parter yes. counts as one episode. Then it obviously has to be a two-parter, right? Yeah, you're <laughs> getting your... I don't know. I'd still pick the last episode of uh, Next Generation, All Good Things. Take that one. And that's a two-parter. Is it, is it really? Okay, bonus. Excellent. I would pick Encounter at Farpoint because I need mm. a good sponsor separation. A good uh, sponsor separation. <laughs> I think I'd pick Doomsday Machine. Uh, I would take Year of Hell. Oh, that's no, con- no, no contest. <laughs> Yeah. And it's time loops. So I can just watch it over and over again. It's like it just keeps happening. Aaron says that his that he would pick is the Discovery short where the uh the ship is in the future. Oh, the one with Aaron. Calypso. Yeah, when he walks around in his underwear for the whole episode. I think it's my favorite. And it's written by the guy who like writes on Picard. It's Picard. So I think I'd pick in reality I think I'd pick the finale to TNG. But I also really like, I think it's Clues, which I think would get really annoying. It would be like the worst one to pick if I was stuck wherever. But I really like that episode. Most of the episodes I like the best are the ones that would probably annoy me the most if I watched them repetitively. So, yeah. Oh, maybe The Killing Games? I like that. <laughs> How about you, Mike? I would probably want some comedy. Uh, some things because my spirits, Solid, yeah. my spirits will be so dampened by the fact that I'm all alone. So probably Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. Yeah. Oh, knew it. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> You're all gonna get stuck in Ireland and get stuck with like a, like a hardcore Neelix episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> all right, uh, thank you all for your contributions. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. This is fun. To summarize, that was Elise Cutts, who recommended All Good Things from TNG, which is also in my personal top five Star Trek episodes of all time. Professor Alex Evans went with Encounter at Farpoint from TNG. No better way to appreciate Picard than by going back to where it all began, right? Dr. James T. Keene picked Doomsday Machine from classic Star Trek. I, for one, would love to see a future Star Trek episode explore where that planet killer thing actually came from. Dr. Peter Gow chose Year of Hell, parts 1 and 2 from Voyager, over and over and over again. Artist Aaron Rodriguez got creative and said Calypso from Short Treks, and that's my favorite Short Trek to be sure. Dr. Sharon Newman said Clues from TNG, and then quickly thought better of it. Historian Dason Oka named The Killing Game from Voyager. I guess you need a Space Nazi episode on the list, right? And for myself, Tinker Tenor, Doctor Spy from Voyager. 
Latona immobile, qual più mal vento, muta da cento, edi pensiero, sempre una mano. Thank you to all of my friends who gave me their recommendations. And there you go, a list of Star Trek episodes that you can watch to spend your time at home. Thanks for listening to Strange New Worlds, everyone. Please stay home, stay safe, and when this is all over, and it will pass, I'll see you out there. Like when, when I still had access to Free Doctor Who, when I, when I did, and I watched like a bunch of the newer seasons, they referred back to previous seasons all the time, just, just endless. And you know, like some people say it's fan service, and I'm a fan. I don't mind being serviced. <laughs> like I, I love it. <laughs> You're recording this, Mike. <laughs> I hope you are. Yes, you better be. <laughs> Tuvok, I understand. You are a Vulcan man. You have just gone without for seven years. About Paris, please find a way to load a hypospray. I will give you the sign. Just aim for his behind. Hormones are raging. Synapse is blazing. It's all so bad. I feel like if we were doing this at a year mark, you know, self-isolation, we need to watch your bell. <laughs> yeah, let's hope we never get there. If it gets to a year of them asking people to do this, people are just not gonna do this. March twenty first, twenty twenty one. Year of hell. Very <laughs> illogical. <laughs>